0: G'day, thanks for tuning in today. Whether you're watching this online or whether or not you're listening to this on your iPhone or an Android device, device. Um, I'm here with Carrie today, who's going to share her story of how far she has come in transforming her inflammation and swelling with rheumatoid arthritis using the Patterson program. G'day, Carrie.
1: Hi, Clint. Nice. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's always a pleasure. This is the funnest, most enjoyable part of my job, speaking to and meeting in person lovely people like yourself to hear how far you've come. Now, you were part of our support group for some time and you've done uh, really well, but uh, uh, I want you just to give us a snapshot, first of all, before we dig into the details of uh, what was your sort of, what's your before and after?
1: Well, my before was miserable and hopeless and depressed, I would say. Probably a good three years ago is when I was diagnosed with RA. And how far I've come from since that time is amazing. I mean, I have increased energy levels. My inflammation is greatly reduced. I have gone from being on um, meloxicam and um, methotrexate and Embryl and Plaquenil um, down to just Plaquenil in that amount of time. And that's all due to changes in diet. And so the change has been amazing. I feel like I've gotten my life back.
0: Awesome. I mean, I wish every rheumatologist in the world could have just heard that first 60 seconds of our recording here, because to say that diet doesn't matter is just like saying that the earth is flat. I mean, that's the kind of mentality that exists right now in the modern day is thinking that diet doesn't play an impact or a significant impact with these inflammatory arthritic conditions. So thank you for that. Now, let's dig a little deeper. We want to explore your story and we'll go into that in in some detail. And then for the back half of the conversation, we will extract from you as many tips and ideas and I guess um massaged versions of our program that you put in place to help listeners so that they can say okay well that might be something that i can tweak or work on a little more so before we get to that let's explore a little bit more deeply you said uh, maybe what four four years ago or something take us back to that moment how did it what were your thoughts on how it triggered and and how did it play out
1: i think for me It was hard to figure out really what triggered it because I don't have rheumatoid arthritis in my family. There's a lot of autoimmunity. I do have a thyroid disorder. So a lot of those things were in place. I think for me, it was a perfect storm of a number of things. I was uh, suffering from a lot of headaches. So I was taking a lot of medication for that, um, migraines and other headaches as well. I was under a lot of stress in my job.
0: Okay, now, Carrie, were those... For those headaches, were you taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs? Oh, yeah. Painkillers?
1: Painkillers. Excedrin, uh, Tylenol, Advil, all
0: of it. So they are doing an absolute job on your digestive system, setting you up with massive leaky gut, letting all of those undigested proteins and bacterial proteins entering the blood. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then add to that mm-hmm. a lot of stress. Okay. thanks. A lot of,
1: a lot of stress mm-hmm. in my job. Um, and I was going through menopause at the same time. So I'm not convinced that hormones didn't come into play there a little bit. Yep. I think it probably sure. was a factor. Mm-hmm. So before everything sort of kind of showing that sent me to thinking it was RA, I was having a lot of headaches. I was also experiencing that my feet were burning, which was just the strangest thing. It would happen at night and they would just feel like they were on fire. So I'd have to get up, you know, and walk on the tile bathroom or put them in cold water or something just to kind of get that to calm down. Mm. And nobody could figure out why. I had no idea kind of what was triggering that. I had no idea. And then my joints started to hurt kind of in the summer of 2014. My hands started to be achy. Um, nodules were forming on the joints of my fingers on both hands. And I was sharing this with a friend of mine who happens to have rheumatoid arthritis. And she said, Carrie, you need to go see somebody. She said, I'm I'm afraid this is probably what's happening to you. Mm. So this was like really early on. Things were just kind of starting to happen. And of course, like in many states, there aren't very many rheumatologists in Montana. And there are even fewer good ones. So it took me a long time to get in to see a rheumatologist. And in the meantime, I spent a lot of time on the Internet reading things that were mostly not helpful And mostly really frightening, Mm -hmm. you know, pictures of people with rheumatoid arthritis and what the prognosis is and all the medications. And it was scary. You're just like, oh, my is this what my life is going to be? It's awful. And so I get in to see the rheumatologist and um, he did blood work. And, of course, the only thing that it flagged for me was a CCP antibody. And that was a very weak positive. I was, you know, I have nothing else flagged. So I was probably in the very early stages of it. But he wasn't completely convinced that that was what was going on, even though the symptoms at that point were much more. My knees hurt, you know, both hands, the joints in both hands hurt. I was convinced that's what it was. It just took a little longer to convince him that that's what it was. Mm. So he put me on Plaquenil and Meloxicam. Actually, put me on Aleve first. I was taking four Aleve a day along with the Plaquenil. And then my stomach just said, enough, that's it. Wow. So I went back in, we got rid of that, took meloxicam instead, ended up on the methotrexate not long after that, um, because the, the symptoms just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And mm-hmm. I had terrible fatigue, um, no energy. Um, but also then once I started taking the methotrexate, pretty much one day a week, I felt like I had the flu. Um, I was nauseous. I had a terrible headache. I had body aches. So I pretty much lost one day a week, every week. And for me, that I did it on Sunday so I could still manage my full-time job. So I was losing that time with my family and my husband doing things that that we did too. So it, it impacted our family in many, many ways. And my children are grown um, out of the house, so that was helpful. I didn't have young children that I was dealing with at the time. But it impacted our whole family. And I looked at what my life was turning into thinking, you know, I'm 50 years old. And this is this is what I have to look forward to for the rest of my life. It was frightening and it was depressing. And I felt like the doctor wasn't necessarily hearing what I was saying when I kept thinking, what's causing this? Why do I have this? And really what I was getting from him was, well, we're going to give you this and this to take care of these symptoms, but it wasn't necessarily going to fix the root of the problem that he couldn't explain why I had that. Um, then kind of in in that mix, um, I started having these electrical shock sensations And at night, they would wake me up out of a dead sleep um, three or four times a night. And it felt kind of like, you know, if you're having your heart resuscitated and somebody was going to hit you with those paddles. And he couldn't understand why I had that. He sent me to a neurologist and I had, you know, full workup, which was a nightmare. Those um, nerve conduction studies are not very much fun. And if I had known any secrets, I would have given them all up. I would be a terrible person that you would want to torture because i would tell them anything they wanted to know but what the the neurologist said is he felt that the the neuropathy which is what he diagnosed me with was small fiber neuropathy was associated with rheumatoid arthritis and he said once you get that the arthritis under control then the neuropathy will calm down wow back to Mm -hmm. the rheumatologist and he's like no they're they're not linked that one doesn't have anything to do with the other (laughs) so it took me a while but i found a different rheumatologist I have an internist on board also who's kind of helping me navigate some of these things, and she referred me to a different rheumatologist, and she was amazing. She was more open to other ideas as far as, you know, what can cause rheumatoid arthritis, and was helpful in navigating some of those waters. She, After a while, I went back to her and I stopped eating gluten just like for a month before an appointment just to kind of see if it made a difference. I'd read some people did well. Mm. And so then she suggested that I try the Whole30. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Whole30. I've heard Um, of it,
0: but I couldn't tell you the specifics.
1: It's very, it's pretty paleocentric, but it's also clean eating. So it's no dairy, no gluten, no sugar, get rid of the additives and the preservatives. And you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and meat mainly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that wasn't too far off of what I was doing anyway. So I've got nothing to lose. And if this can help at all, then I'm going for it. So about two weeks into that, I started to notice that, it, that I was feeling better. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit more energy and I felt a little bit better. And I was like, OK, so maybe there's something to this. So and then partway through my Whole30, um, your program came up on my Facebook feed. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I clicked on it, read your stuff, looked all over your website Mm -hmm. and thought, oh, my gosh, there's, there's somebody that's done this. And there's some hope to have some kind of control over this. And that diet really is what's going on. It's leaky gut. It's all these things, along with environmental things and lots of other stuff, too. But I was just so relieved to find that somebody else had done that. And, and here was a group of people that were doing it and and you had information. And so I thought, okay, I've started this whole 30. I'm going to go ahead and finish that because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And I wasn't quite ready to do your program yet. So I finished up the whole 30 and I did feel better. I could, I could tell that diet was making a difference, but your program, when I looked at how from where I was at that point, seemed really extreme, you know, from, from what I was doing to that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. So I pondered it for a couple of months and then I started slowly eliminating kind of food groups and areas kind of rather than jumping in with both feet initially. Um, But what I found on the Whole30 is that I was having problems with meat and I didn't know why Um, it would trigger the neuropathy. And, and I knew it was a problem but I didn't understand why it was a, such a big problem for me.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So, so when you I, say it triggered the neuropathy, yeah. So this meant that you were seeing a relationship between eating the meat and having those sort of spasms in your in your joints, yeah, or in your limbs.
1: Yes, it's kind of an all over limb thing, and I called them a call more of like an electrical shock or like a buzzing feeling, like mm-hmm. you feel like you like touched a live wire or something. Mm-hmm. So those would be more pronounced at night if I had eaten meat. So. As I kind of eased my way into your program, that was kind of the first thing that I let go of. And as a as a woman from Montana who grew up on a ranch and a farm where they they raised grain and wheat and meat, raised beef, it was really hard for this farm girl to say, okay, I can't eat wheat and I can't eat beef. Um, I don't quite know what about the beef thing yet, but I can't do it. So then, as I progressed into your program. I kind of jumped in. I didn't do the cleanse because my weight had kind of gone into this free-for-all, and I was really afraid that if I did that, I was going to lose a lot more weight than I had. And so I I did, I did. started your program and started seeing tremendous relief from the inflammation. Um, the neuropathy started to kind of calm down a little bit. It was still there, but it was much Fewer, fewer episodes, and they weren't as strong. So that was all hugely a positive. So in that next year, so I started that last October. So there's been a year that I've kind of been doing that. So in that year's time, I've gotten off of the methotrexate completely. I've stopped taking embrel as well. But each time I have kind of backed off on one of those medications, a lot of the food issues would come back to the top. Because they're masking symptoms and they're masking all these things going on. And so then I would feel like I would take, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And I would have to kind of go back to the beginning and take foods off and try to figure out what what the cause was. And I had a really difficult time with the reintroduction piece of this whole thing. It's been really hard for me to tell what is causing the problem when there's so much going on and there's so many different foods that you're trying to eat because you're trying to get, you know, a variety of eat the rainbow, you know, a variety of fruits and vegetables and and good things to eat. It's hard to know what exactly is causing the problems. So I struggle with that. I'm still struggling with that. But I like I said, I've gotten off those medications, which is huge. I mean, my energy is returned the reduction in inflammation i mean i was having also a lot of um compressed nerve issues i had a really painful pinched nerve in my elbow i've had plantar fasciitis i had sciatica and those things would flare and and that pain from that was often worse than the pain from the rheumatoid arthritis so getting those things to calm down was really a goal for me then Uh, This summer, I was just listening to a podcast because I listened to all kinds of things in case I might hear something that might work for me. And I heard someone talk about lectins. And I'd never heard of a lectin. I had no idea what a lectin was. But as I learned a little bit more about it, I thought, maybe this is something that will help me. Maybe this is part of what my problem is with all these food sensitivities. So... I looked into it more and found out that, you know, lectins are proteins, it's just like gluten is a protein, but it's found in, you know, wheat and corn and soy, and but also in a lot of the things that I was eating on the Patterson program, quinoa and brown rice and legumes and lentils and things like cucumbers and the melons, those are all pretty high in lectins too. So as I looked at that, I had to kind of shift some things around a little bit and you can you can change the lectin load of things also by cooking them. Yes. So if you pressure cook your your black beans and your lentils and your quinoa, it lo- it reduces the lectins so that you can eat it and it's not doesn't cause as much inflammation. So when I changed some of the items and then I changed the way I cooked them, I saw a pretty significant decrease in the inflammation as well. It's like it took it down another notch and that notch kind of helped a lot of the nerve issues as far as the um, compressed nerve issues, as well as some of the um, neuropathy symptoms, kind of you know really took a step back. So I've had to kind of make some changes to allow for a number of food sensitivity issues. I mean, I definitely have a leaky gut. There is no question around it. I guess I was hoping that maybe I would be a little more healed at this point. It's hard to be completely patient, but when I look back to where I was, you know, three or four years ago to where I am now, it's gigantic. But at the same time, I'm like, on it, I'm tired of eating sweet potatoes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Wonderful uh, account of, of how far you've come in that period of time. Like if a drug could have provided you with the kind of improvements that you've experienced by doing these things naturally, that drug would be the rheumatoid arthritis drug of choice and there would be no other and so that's why you know i put a lot of work and time and energy and effort into trying to spread this kind of these kind of stories like yourself Mm -hmm. and everything else that i do to try and put forward the case that hey this should be the default position for anyone with rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory autoimmune condition condition you should be doing this program in parallel to your medications because a huge portion of those people on those medications could then lower their medications and just require less of them and live a healthier, long-term, you know, enjoyable life. So that's why we're doing this. So, you know, thank you for sharing what you've shared so far. You've raised a couple of things. I, um, the lectins thing is interesting. I listened to one of Dr. Clapper's best friends who was speaking at the conference that I recently attended called the plant based nutrition healthcare conference in Anaheim. And, um, she spoke from stage and answered a Q&A uh, actually about the lectins thing, which tends to be like the the uh, the bro science kind of meat eater approach to trying to argue why a plant-based diet isn't healthy. <laughs> and uh, the lectins thing is interesting. One of the biggest source of lectins is actually legumes. So something, mm-hmm. if you look at like a lentil, right? So it has one of them, or beans have very high content of, of lectins. And yet, in the Blue Zones book, which examines the longest living cultures on the planet, they found that the single most important food that one person can eat, linked to longevity and the longest possible life, are legumes. And so, when we have rheumatoid (laughs) arthritis, no, 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 here's, here's the distinction. When you have rheumatoid arthritis, you have an absolutely terrible gut disorder, you absolutely ruined your intestines. And then you have to be careful to point the finger at certain foods that are absolutely proven to be extremely healthy for human beings and blaming them when the problem still lies in your gut. Okay, you, you're the old abnormality. Really? Now, mm-hmm. this is the same when it comes to things like oatmeal, why why it takes us a while to graduate to be able to eat oatmeal because for the average person without an autoimmune disease who haven't eaten meat, dairy and oils in their upbringing – oatmeal is not only so easy for them to digest, but it's also extremely, you know, healthy and simple. But then like us, like me, like you, we went through a period where we couldn't digest even the simplest of easy foods and something like white potatoes, another food that, you know, is extraordinarily healthy for humans. I couldn't eat white potatoes for the longest period of time because I'd ruined my gut with five years of antibiotics and then eaten a Western diet and drank throughout my 20s and ate two minute noodles like they were, you know, mm-hmm. going out of fashion during my early 20s. And so, foods that I couldn't tolerate uh, are unfair to blame those foods. It's that I, you know, caused a problem internally that, that, made me different to what my intestinal system should look like now that's not to say that your experience isn't real and it absolutely is and my solution instead of you know eliminating specific food groups that were high in lectin content was simply to stay very close to the baseline foods for long periods and then reintroduce foods one at a time that i found my body could tolerate and stick with foods close to those So, for me, it might have been, say, a fruit like a papaya, and I could tolerate papaya. So then I thought, okay, well, I can try, you know, melons and I could do cantaloupe. I could realize I could do watermelon. And then I would stay close to those food groups and expand from there. It took me ages to be able to eat any kind of lentil or bean, which again, I just grouped the lectin into like high protein. If we're talking about high proteins, if you're eating foods that are high in protein, you're adding the amount. Of work to the digestive system to eliminate those proteins so that undigested proteins don't enter the bloodstream and so for me it was just a broad grouping of fruits foods that are high in protein which includes the lectin version if you like and then foods that are high in fat and in fact that's the order in which they are for most people a challenge to the body fat is always the most challenging for everyone because direct link to leaky gut, so everything around the fat molecules as they pass through the intestines passes into the, uh, the, the bloodstream. Secondly, with the, uh, the proteins, and some people don't do too bad, reintroducing high-protein foods fairly quickly. And then the fruits, and fruit intolerances can normally be resolved in only a matter of a few months because it's just a a, a sugar strain feeding bacteria. And once they're eliminated, then most people can tolerate fruits fairly easy, fairly quickly. So that's one part of the... The, of what I heard and your very interesting uh, story. The other part that I I want to comment on is um, you know if you're frustrated after getting off methotrexate and anbril, obviously we're all the type A personalities when we get this disease, and it's such a type A attitude to say, look, I'm off two of the biggest possible drugs you could take with this condition in 18 months or whatever you've done, and to be frustrated after that a little bit, perhaps the expectations a little bit high, because coming off those drugs as you say you're going to see the true state of affairs underneath what's mm-hmm. you know you've taken the tarpaulin or the roof off and you've had a look underneath and then the reality of the the inflammation is revealed and so i even uh, advised this through i was just working on this the other day the way in which to taper off drugs if we look at this what you've achieved but do it on a very micro scale as a drug dosage is reduced, then I have people anticipate some kind of pain return and to be ready to go back to the basic foods to increase their exercise and not even to attempt it unless they have quite a lot of pain buffer, meaning their quality of life would not be impacted whatsoever if a little bit of pain came back. And there are some other criteria that I have where I believe people must meet before they should reduce the drugs. Now, to be able to, to get off a drug entirely, then you're obviously going to see everything all at once or over a short period of time. Even 18 months to be off those two drugs is extraordinary. And so you're definitely going to be on a roller coaster of of pain returning and, and frustration and everything, especially if your foods were quite advanced in your reintroduction process. Take all the, take those big drugs away and you're going to be absolutely needing to get back to some of the more healing foods and and stay there for a long period of time. You know, I was on that baseline meal for months upon months and going to Bikram yoga every single day and maximum dose of methotrexate just so that I wouldn't worsen. So my situation was, was, was certainly uh, a delicate one and an extreme one. And um, I could not have, you know, had more of the advanced foods in my diet for, you know, a good year and a half into when I actually felt like I was on the the right path. And that's after doing eight months of raw food prior to the beginning portion of the Patterson program. So I just want to reassure you that you've achieved unbelievable results and not to feel disappointed, but just to look back at what you have achieved and, uh, It is absolutely extraordinary. As great a progress as anyone that we've had on the show. So you, um, continuing on the path that you're on, um, you know, should be able to, um, continue to, uh, to lower medications and, and heal. I would caution you to get too not too caught up in this whole lectin thing, but to use the category, the grouping that I mentioned before. And I think that'll serve you tremendously. So, um, Awesome. Now, um, what did I draw here? I drew a little uh, slippery slope for myself. I just drew a little symbol. Oh, that's why I drew that. (laughs) Okay. I drew that to say, just to re-emphasize as well how well you've done, because the average outcome with someone with rheumatoid arthritis is to worsen. It's to go down the slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole Mm -hmm. gravity is pulling you down all the time. The disease designed to break down your joints and to constantly worsen your quality of life so to uh, to stay the same on the same drug and to not worsen year upon year upon year makes rheumatologists think they've achieved a miraculous result they feel amazing if they just got you on a ton of drugs and you don't experience side effects that want make you want to make you want to give up on life and you don't worsen they think that's amazing your level of amazing is a whole different order of magnitude to be able to also go through those reductions of those really heavy meds mm-hmm. and feel a tremendous amount better. So that's why I drew the slippery slope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think too just to touch back on the lectin thing too, I think as much as anything, it helped me understand why I couldn't eat meat because the animals were eating the corn and the soy and the wheat that were, you know, GMO and sprayed with um you know, Roundup and all those things, and so that stuff was then also then traveling into me, and I think that's what what I probably was reacting to as much as the proteins. It was all the stuff that those animals had eaten as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, it it helped explain things as much as anything. Yeah. And and I don't eat beans and lentils. I mean, you know, I I'm not eating those at all at this point. But I think it was helpful to know that there were ways around some of those things. That by cooking you know, different things that it did help a little bit. I still have problems with even with quinoa. So I think maybe just for me, it's just one of those things that I just have to set aside for a while. And, you know, I can tolerate white rice. And that's, you know, that's kind of where I am with
0: that. Well, Um, yeah, I've always maintained and in fact, I got into small debates with a production company that we are in talks with doing a documentary about what I do and my story and everyone. And um, the frustration is that they want one plan that everyone can follow. And they said, because otherwise it's not as easy to sort of, you know, what, let's, just, let's just do one plan when they're looking at what I say and what I suggest. And I want everyone to go through the exact same thing. It just makes life easier. And I said, look, I would love that, but I've been doing this now for too long. And I can assure you that some people aren't doing well on some of the fundamental foods sometimes, and I don't want to force this situation. And my argument is we are smart enough to be able to take at least some degree of responsibility about our own introduction process and not rely on the system. The system is in place To get you on the road and there are clear boundaries on each side of the road you don't drive off you don't drive off that shoulder of the road or that that keeps you off the meat dairy and oils there are many more guidelines within that taking you through the optional cleanse the baseline foods and so forth but sometimes individuals like yourself need to make adjustments because one thing, regardless of its health benefits and the fact that it works for 19 out of 20 other people wonderfully, it just doesn't quite fit. And that's because you've got a unique microbiome, a unique genetic predisposition, and you've got a unique history of certain medications. And so something's not quite working. Let's not force the issue. You've got the the foundations to work with and the knowledge you've got intelligence use it you know yeah and so oh, you I couldn't agree yeah. more yeah I
1: couldn't agree more everybody is different and no yeah. one size is gonna work for everybody it's mm-hmm. it's it's just a part of trying it and seeing if it works and you know going back and trying something else and oh I totally agree yeah,
0: yeah. and I think it's actually a, a very good sign that you can tolerate the basmati or white rice or sushi rice all tend if one person tends to do well on one they can normally eat all of those because for a lot of people that's uh, that's a little bit more challenging a little bit further down the track it was for me and it is for most others and so that's a wonderful sign you know that's a sign to me that you're not actually still at one of the most earliest fundamental stages that you have developed a tolerance to more advanced foods and that it might just be the quinoa and mm-hmm. with the quinoa as i sort of didn't specify clearly, but it's about one in 20 or maybe even one less than that who I see have a problem with that and, a, and about the same amount have a trouble with the buckwheat. And so yeah. normally people just leave one out and, and eat the other uh, mm-hmm. if that happens. But I don't like to dwell on it much because people can sometimes then jump on a band, oh, it's the kin oh, one. Yeah. No, it's not. It's because of so many other factors and we're not yes. looking for zero pain. We're looking for low pl- pain and a platform of healing And anyway, that's another kettle of fish. But (laughs) okay, so you've already given us some great uh, sort of ideas as to way that you've made some variations for your own situation. Have there been some other ways in which you've found really helpful in your path? And it might not necessarily even be food related. Have you found, for example, uh, an exercise that you've been um, using or affirmations or social support or... Have you, have you, some things that have really helped you through all of this.
1: I started doing yoga, which was, has been tremendously helpful. Um, it's not Bikram yoga, but it's it's with a woman that is willing to work with people that have, you know, joint issues or maybe have had their hip replaced. And so, it's you know, it, she will customize things to different people's needs and what they can do. And that has been tremendous. And, and not only just in building strength and flexibility, but then also understanding different stretches and stuff I can do in the nerve issues arise you know sciatic is acting up and some of those things too that's been really helpful i've been blessed with a very supportive family my husband is amazing and he has eaten more vegetables in the last you know year of his life than ever before and he, he appreciates that but he's been very um supportive and tolerant of you know these new dishes that i'll make and like here's another version of Brussels sprouts. And he's like, okay. (laughs) So they've been great. Yeah. And, and just a very supportive family. Um, I've also done some other things thinking about just the environmental and toxin load. So switched all of my food storage containers to glass, you know, ditched the plastic. I don't drink out of plastic water bottles. Mm -hmm. We have a water filter on our home tap. And just, just being more active, I think, because when you're in so much pain, it's, it's, you, you don't want to move, let alone, you know, be active and move. We um, bought a camper. So we're out doing a little bit more of that type of thing. You know, getting awesome. out more, doing that kind of stuff. I buy organic as, as much as I can. Also changed uh, my skincare and body care, you know, to more natural products. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get some of the, the known, you know, problem things out of there. Thinking, you know, if, if I've kind of been this perfect storm of different things, it's hard to know, you know, what caused it or what's contributing to it, what's contributing to the ongoing neuropathy. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of trying to take apart my environment a little bit and and take away any of those things that could be adding to it. Um, Also trying to meditate. I'm not very good at that. I need to keep working at it. Um, My mind just keeps going and I have a hard time kind of shutting things down. But um, working toward that, you know, so there's a little bit more relaxation in that. Um, And just being more mindful. And I think looking for um, the positive things and being grateful for the blessings that we have and doing more when I do have the energy allows me to kind of step out and do more for other people and and do more in the community, which is is a blessing as well. Mm. Because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get back to that.
0: Yes. And how do you, one thing I noticed is You know, when I look at people who are in pain or suffering or just didn't have health conditions, it's a completely different view that I have on the world before I got sick. I used to be quite harsh, I want to say, because I'd never experienced any kind of uh, serious health condition prior to suddenly getting rheumatoid arthritis. And so for me, you know, I guess I had a, a very narrow view on the world and I used to look at people and think, oh, that, that that would never happen to me or not even a lot of compassion for those situations i'm not mm-hmm. talking about people who had like in wheelchairs and who had physical disabilities i mean people who might have just been you know not in a physical state that i would have thought would be ideal mm-hmm. and now when i see people i think oh gosh I, I wish i could help that person in that way and why can't they oh don't eat that and like i just find a real i've I'm reaching out emotionally and mentally when I'm looking at them, wishing I could help them. Do you have that experience?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've, I've gotten to know some people that, you know, you know they kind of have some variety of issues going on, but I have a much better understanding of, of the pain they're in when they're, when they're trying to walk and they're trying to do these things. I mean, I've been there and I get that. But yes, I do see people in the grocery store and you look in their carts and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're gonna feed that to your family. You know, there's little kids. And I'm like, oh no, yeah. you know, you can't say anything. But I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, I wish that the conversations that doctors had with people, that the leading conversations would include, you know, what kind of foods are you eating as a family? And it's unfortunate that, I had to initiate that conversation with my rheumatologist and that well, she was open to it, which was fantastic. But I feel like that should be some of the first things that get discussed, you know, along with where, where what joints hurt today, you know, what have you eaten in the last 24 hours? But, yes. you know, I, I don't, I'm hoping that we'll get there. You see a little bit more, I think, you know, slowly things are coming along, but you just look at all these children and all of these people that are, that are eating this way. And you know, the, where they're going to be probably in 10 years from now, some sort of an autoimmune disorder is going to pop up for them and it could be prevented by, you know, eating whole organic healthy foods now.
0: So true, you know, Mm -hmm. boy, absolutely. We're watching a few of our friends um, who are in the entertainment business going through, you know, what's really popular at the moment is this ketosis process and everyone's Mm -hmm. into drinking these ketones and it's a disaster. And like, I, I can just, play this forward for, for the future for some of these individuals. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just statistically not going to look great. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, you shake your head just as we both are now. What, you know, mm-hmm. it's delicate, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, people are passionate about what they eat just as they are about their spiritual beliefs. And to tread on those as a friend at risks of friendship and stuff and mm-hmm. you think, well, is it worth it when it's only a statistical increase? It's not a guarantee. You know, there's always a story of someone who smoked their whole life and eat bacon and extra breakfast who lives to 100, 100, right? And so there's always the exception that people want to say, hey, that person did fine. And so your theory doesn't work. It's just a mm-hmm. statistical increase of likelihood, okay? And so you think, oh boy, you know, do I want to put my friendship at risk or do I want to just let's hope that the statistics fall the right way for my friend? Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess on a case by case basis, we we play that sort of we play that game in our lives when we when we have some knowledge and we know we've implemented it and it's and it's true for us and the science shows it's true for human beings as a race. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Carrie. Well, have you got any final tips you might share for for listeners or or people who are watching this? Any last parting thoughts of maybe encouragement or? or something that you are saying that you keep close to your heart or any final like farewell thoughts for for folks?
1: Well, I have a little embroidered stitching thing in my in my bedroom. It belonged to my grandmother, I hung over her bed for years. So there's this quote I loved that my grandmother loved too, and it's really helped me. And it's, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.
0: I have come across that once or twice before. I I know the sentiment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a nice sentiment to not dwell on the things we can't change. Yes. But to work on those that we can sort of sentiment. Yeah.
1: And I I appreciate everything that you've done to provide us with some hope and some encouragement. And the little video snippets that you send out have been hugely helpful. And even the little ones, you know, about I think one of them that really helped me, it was like not stretching your hands every single morning when you get up trying to see how stiff they are. I was doing that. And I'm like, oh, well, geez, I had no idea. Um, and then you sent one not too long ago about, you know, just being happy. And I think that those are really, they're, they're messages of hope and hopefulness that we need during times of you know, feeling like, you know, we're in this and it can often be isolating and and discouraging when, as you're going through it. And I think that any of those those kinds of uplifting messages can be really helpful to kind of get us through the day. And then just taking it one day at a time and, and hoping each day will be better than the one that you just left.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there's a very good chance of that if we apply tremendous discipline, because I think that, you know, across the board the one word if anything that that gives us the best results in all of this is uh, is discipline mm-hmm. if we apply discipline to the foods that we we know that we should eat, apply discipline by doing our exercise every day, apply mm-hmm. discipline to finding some, some stress relieving activities each day. You mentioned meditation as one, but even exercising itself, if we get to a state in which our body needs our attention more than our mind and we just drift off into our body and keep it moving at a high high intensity level, that's meditative right there. And we apply discipline to working with our doctor to not be on the medications that are going to make it impossible to heal. And these medications we, we talk about in other episodes and uh, uh, a discipline not to get obsessed with all the different supplements that can, can be advertised to us and to uh, spend our money in ways that, that will really support us which are the fundamentals, the real fundamentals. It's often the the, the least shiny objects provide us with the biggest results. Mm-hmm. It's not the yeah. latest supplement. It's going back to the gym tomorrow or going back to yoga tomorrow, as you said before, and it's getting up and knowing that we have to, uh, you know, find a different way to flavor our food so that we enjoy the food that's going to heal us better. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Carrie. This has been yes. great. I've enjoyed this very much. And I thank you for giving up uh, some of your Friday with me today so that we can get a lovely message out to everybody.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: All the best uh, going forward. And I look forward to chatting with you down the track.
1: Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit PatersonProgram.com.